Engaging Leader Podcast, episode 127. Let's get visual, visual. (laughs) Six engaging ways to use images. Well, I guess I should keep my day job. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Visual communication always gets more attention than written or verbal alone. This past week, I spoke to an audience on the topic of mobile engagement for workforce communication. And as part of that, there was a brief section in which I shared some facts about visual communication and how important it is to use visuals when you are doing mobile engagement. And some of the facts and examples that I shared caused some surprise and excitement. And though to me it was just a minor point of the presentation, it was some of the most commented parts when people came up afterwards to talk to me. And so I thought it would be timely to do a whole podcast topic about this. Because in this day and age, with the information overload and media overload that everyone now experiences, visual communication is no longer an option when you're trying to influence, lead, or simply inform people. You can't assume that sharing information is enough. Even Steve Jobs, when presenting to already passionate followers about Apple gadgets that they crave to know about. So you've got a captive audience already very passionate about what he's talking about. He was very deliberate in using visuals to engage them. And so likewise, you must be intentional to engage your audience for maximum impact. Often, we as leaders feel tired after we've compiled all the information that we're trying to get across to people, and we don't want to think about how to, quote, get creative, unquote, in the way that we communicate to the workforce. But without this extra 10% of effort, the whole communication effort is often a waste of time. So in this episode, we're going to talk about five reasons you must use visuals, and then we'll talk about six ways that you must use images to engage people. So five reasons why, and then six ways to do so with some examples. Let's get started. First of all, when your message includes the right visuals, people will be more likely to notice it. The average person reads between 200 and 300 words per minute, but less than a second to process an image. Eye-tracking studies also show that people gravitate immediately to images. Now, for the source information about what I just shared, the facts behind that, as well as the source information for all the other data that I'm going to share, you can go to engagingleader.com forward slash 127, as in episode 127, and you'll see all those links. So people will be more likely to notice it. Secondly, when your message includes the right visuals, people will be more likely to believe it. I'm not making this up. People really are more likely to believe what you say if it's accompanied by the right image. In fact, people will even believe a lie if it's accompanied by the right image. Now, I always encourage people to tell the truth, and I don't know why you would bother doing a scientific study on whether people will believe a lie, but it is pretty interesting information. If you go to the web address that I just showed for our show notes, you'll see an image that I borrowed from socialtriggers.com, and it shows two statements. Well, it it shows a statement done in two ways. 
The statement is, the liquid metal inside a thermometer is magnesium. And you're going to hear that and you're going to immediately say, oh, no, it's not. It's mercury. But what they found is, if they say that same statement, but next to it they show a photo of a thermometer, people are more likely to believe the statement. Go check that image out on our show notes, and uh, I think it'll help you believe what I'm saying. What I just said is not a lie, that people really do believe what you're saying more if it's accompanied by the right image. So as a leader, how do we interpret that? It's not that we want to figure out how do we get people to believe stupid statements like that, but... We're making statements all the time, and we're asking people to do things and to think things. And to make it more likely that people will believe us and trust us, why not include a helpful image to help their brain catch up with what we're saying, essentially? It basically just gives it more weight. It's kind of like if you're watching a presentation, and someone says, the presenter says something, or, or if you're reading a book and the author says something, and they cite a source, you're more likely to believe them, aren't you? Even if you don't go check up that in that source and make sure it's saying what it really says and if it's a, it's a credible source. No, simply by citing the source, you just naturally believe them more. And it's similar with a, an image. If the statement has an image, it just gives it a greater level of credibility. And so why not use that fact to your advantage and, and help people believe and trust you more? Number three is people are more likely to remember it. The human brain can remember thousands of images with a surprising level of detail. And according to MIT neuroscience research, images with people in them are the most memorable. So if you communicate something, if you put any image that's halfway interesting, people are more likely to notice it, to believe it, and to remember it. But especially if you include some sort of an image or illustration of people in it, people are, are way more likely to remember it. That's why when you're searching for things on the internet and you see uh, little ads for articles, other articles that you might be interested in reading, they are almost always articles that feature people in, uh, in some shape or form. It's just more likely to catch your attention, make you want to look at it, and make you more likely to remember it. Number four is people are more likely to spread it. In other words, if you provide information and you include an image, people are more likely to share that information with other people. For example, on Facebook, photos get seven times more likes and ten times more shares than links do. So if you just if you type in a link and all you have is text, it's going to get a certain a certain number of people may like that or share it. But if you include a photo with it or a video, then people are seven times more likely to like that and ten times more likely to share that. That's a huge difference. And when someone shares or spreads information, they take a certain amount of ownership for it. So in other words, they're more highly engaged. They're on your side more. And finally, the fifth reason is that when your message includes the right visuals, people will be more likely to act on it. As an example, let's look at Pinterest. For the last few years, it's been one of the top three or four social networking sites on, on the internet. It's a social networking site devoted to photo and image sharing. But guess what? Users on Pinterest don't just view and share photos, they buy stuff. In fact, they spend about twice as much money as Facebook and Twitter users. 
So when your message includes the right visuals, people will be more likely to act on it. Well, hopefully I've convinced you that visual communication is no longer an option. How can you go about doing that? Well, here are six ways you can use images to engage people. In fact, six ways you must use images to engage people. The first is to use a graph or diagram. Now, the best time to use a graph or diagram is when this format is going to tell a story. So, for example, on our show notes, I'm going to post an image of a graph that comes from data about the profile of the hourly worker by ReadyApp and Edison Research that came out in late 2015. And it's asking the question, how does the company, how do companies today typically communicate new policies and procedures to hourly employees? It's a line graph with the dots connected and uh, it starts high and uh, with each type of media and then goes lower as fewer companies communicate that way. So. With hourly workforce, the highest is in-person communication at 79%, and the lowest in this study was a Facebook group at 16%. And so it tells the story of the the kind of older communications like in-person communication and written memo and company email, and then proceeds over to newer stuff like text messages and Facebook groups. And then above each dot is a little picture that just provides an icon of that type of communication. So very quickly, you can look at that and see the story that we're trying to tell, get the main point of the, of the graph. So number one is a graph or a diagram. Number two is a short video. Motion pictures were first introduced in the late 19th century, and people have been addicted to movies ever since. A one to three minute video to illustrate a point does wonders for sucking, sucking everyone in. I am often asked how long is too long? Well, it depends on how it's being used. If you're using it within an employee meeting, for example, and you're breaking up the meeting with a video or two, then three minutes is okay. You get longer than three minutes and people are going to start getting antsy in their seats. If you're replacing an entire employee meeting with a video, for example, I've seen at new hire orientation, for example, where an HR rep might, uh, previously take up an hour or two hours of an employee's time to go through a single topic, for example, their benefits, and and they want to replace that with a video or a more of a multimedia experience, well, then it's okay to take 15, 20 minutes, or even 45 minutes. You are going to cause lose some attention there, but it's a lot better than a two-hour-long meeting. But it is better if you can figure out ways to break that up because uh, just a, a, long, a straight video will start to lose people. Because let's face it, most of what we are communicating is nowhere near as exciting as a Hollywood blockbuster movie with all the millions of dollars that they can pour into that kind of production. So we're not going to have the same sticking power as a Hollywood movie when we create a workforce communication video. Now, if you're talking about online or mobile videos, then it needs to be even shorter. The closer to one minute that you can get, the better, because people it's too easy for people to click and go somewhere else, or even to not bother watching the video in the first place. And if it's one minute, they're a lot more likely to give it a, a try. If it's, uh, if it's two, they, they still might. Three is, is kind of pushing it, but anything beyond three minutes is, uh, is really tough to get people to look at. So videos are very powerful and very popular, but 
there are a few reasons why a video platform alone is insufficient to achieve all of your workforce communication objectives. Pick any segment of your workforce, and I'll bet they do not want to receive information, especially key information, only through videos. For example, I was just talking to my millennial son, JJ, about this. The guy is super media oriented. He's about 20 years old and just watches tons of videos. And yet he says that there's lots of types of information that are just not appropriate to receive video, especially on his phone, which is how most communication is happening with millennials these days. For one thing, he says a lot of the times he's not in a proper environment to watch a video or to have sound. So if he wants to learn how to do something, for example, then a video might be appropriate and he'll make sure he watches that when he's in the appropriate environment. But if he's just trying to get some information about something that's important to him, then a properly written, a a, a different type of communication with the right writing and the right graphics, he can consume that a lot faster than with a video. So if it's something that he needs to know uh, as a reference point, for example, then a video is not going to be appropriate for that. It takes too long for him to absorb the information, to consume the information, and uh, to to make sure he's in the right environment to uh, consume that. So your audience may be different, but that's from a younger perspective. And I know from my older perspective, I'm even less likely to want to watch a video to get information. So unless it's something where I really need to know how to, or somehow that video is going to help me understand something better, then I would rather get it in something that I can consume faster. I say all that because there are a certain, there are a a growing number of online video platforms that would be that are selling themselves as sort of your be all and end all for engaging people and i think you just need to be careful with that they have their place and they it may be a good platform for your organization but i wouldn't assume that you can just rely on that number three is something a lot simpler just a picture the easiest way to make it visual is to use a large eye-catching photo as this post does if you go to our show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash 127. And you'll see that with most popular blogs on the internet today, they have a large eye-catching photo. Remember, as we said earlier, an image that somehow involves human beings will be the most eye-catching and the most memorable. Number four takes that same idea and goes one step further. That's a photo or illustration with a single sentence and a link. I should say the link is optional. For example, we do, uh, we've done a lot of posters for uh, workforces or uh, digital slides that where we're just trying to provide some educational information and we'll use an image with just a sentence. But especially if, the, if you're ever tempted to provide a whole bunch of reference information or an explanation for why we're making a certain change, then consider using a graphic or, or picture to communicate some main message, provide a one-sentence uh, caption almost for that, and then provide a link if people want to get more information. So that thermometer image that I mentioned earlier, that's an example where the, there's a photo and then there's a, a single sentence that explains what the photo is about. 
Here's another example that comes from JJ. Last time we were together, he expressed frustration about an online video game that he plays called Clash of Clans. It's hugely popular, I guess. And the game is constantly evolving. So the the creators of the game are always making tweaks to it, some big, some small, for example, adding characters or adding levels. And JJ said he was frustrated because lately the Clash of Clans makers, when they wanted to communicate changes, were writing long articles, long blog posts, and he said it was very boring and time-consuming and tedious to wade through that to understand what the heck they're trying to say, and it just wasn't worth it. I mean, it's just a video game for crying out loud. It wasn't worth reading all this. And of course, a lot of the things that we're communicating as leaders, we think it's terribly important, but it may not be immediately obvious to the workforce. So let's not make them work so hard. Apparently, JJ was not the only one who was frustrated with that because very quickly the Clash of Clans people changed their communication strategy and switched to exactly what I'm talking about. They would show an illustration with a single phrase that explained what was the change. And for, I'm sure, a huge percentage of their audience, that was all that was needed. Oh, this has been added. That's great. And then they would provide a link for people that wanted to find out more about that. Sometimes it was a link to uh, some paragraphs in in an article, or sometimes it was a link to a video. And then in the very first comment, for example, in their Facebook feed, they would show this big image with a one-sentence explanation and a link, and then they would immediately add a comment to their own post within Facebook that would provide the link to the video. Why did they do that? Well, because Facebook only allows you to, to provide one image at a time. And so the comment, actually, when you add the link to the video in the comment, it will create a little snap uh, screenshot or snapshot or whatever, thumbnail, that's the word I'm looking for, a thumbnail of the video. So you get that visual impact there. So it's sort of a double whammy. The thumbnail of the video on Facebook is never as impressive as the main image that, that they're able to upload. So it definitely worked better to create a really compelling image, provide a link, and then in the comment, add a, the link again in a video with a little bit of promo language about it uh, so that you got that thumbnail. So if you want to see what I'm talking about, again, go to engagingleader.com forward slash 127 for our show notes. Number five in our six ways to use images to engage people is an infographic. Now, these can be a single one or two bits of information, or it can be one of those longer pieces with several types of information that basically tells a story. And those require more effort to create, but they're just like magical. People can't help looking at them when it's in a poster or an online piece that has a puzzle-like visual and uses data to tell a story. On our show notes, you'll see an example of a smaller infographic that answers the question, what do millennials want in terms of workforce communication? And just provides a a picture that shows almost 44% of them want to receive it on their mobile device and a second picture, a graphical picture that shows that 56% wish it was communicated in a way that's easier to understand. So if you've got some data to share, create an infographic. 
And number seven, I'm sorry, number six is a performance scoreboard uh, or dashboard, or sometimes it's called an andon if you're in the language of lean manufacturing. The idea is that anytime you can provide team members with visual current feedback about the most important aspects of their performance, it'll help them stay focused on those critical few metrics. And you can use green, red, or yellow coloring to help them immediately identify if the status on any particular metric is good, bad, or iffy. The importance of this came up recently in a conversation I had with the manager at a food manufacturing facility. And he was complaining to me about the supervisor of one of the areas who was not taking personal accountability for the cleanliness of the workspace whether all the tasks were being completed on a timely basis each day or whether some things were slipping through the cracks. In other words, they had checklists of things that had to be done on at least a daily basis, and the supervisor was not requiring people to actually check those off. And so things were happening late. Uh, Other departments were complaining. And this manager was suggesting to me that maybe they should create some sort of incentive or disincentive program to penalize that manager and or the employees in that department, but especially that manager, if things fell through the cracks like that and reward the manager if things were done better. And I showed him some data that shows that it's you got to be very cautious about using incentives or disincentives because they can have unintended consequences. And all the things that he was describing are really things that just should be a part of the guys of that manager's job, just a requirement for being there, not really any reason to get um, extra compensation. Things like having a clean workspace and providing uh, the necessary steps on time so that the you and the other departments can work together to meet the customer's needs, there should just be an intrinsic value in that. You should just feel good when you see that your department's clean and you know that the the company's happy. And so it's always dangerous to provide a financial incentive or disincentive for something that should be intrinsically rewarding like that. The studies show that it actually detracts from the intrinsic motivation if you do that. And so we talked about the problem more and discovered that more than likely the manager was not aware, was not being held accountable for clear communication expectations. So probably from this manager's perspective, and and it was this manager's first time in a management position, the manager probably feels like that he's being blindsided, that One day, the leader walks in and complains that it's messy around here. And then uh, two weeks later, the leader walks in and complains that step B didn't get completed. And two weeks later, the leader walks in and complains about something else. And so you get the idea that uh, to that manager, this all feels random. And these are expectations that are being imposed on him and his department. And so we talked about creating a simple dashboard Um, In our show notes, I provide an example of an electronic dashboard, but it can just be a whiteboard that you write on once a day, several times a day, or maybe only once a week, and identify what are the just the critical few things that you want that manager to focus on. Don't put 12 things on there because then then it's too many to, to focus on. 
what are the three things, for example, that those 12 things are going to roll up to? So if these three things happen, you're pretty sure that the, the 12 are probably getting done too. So put one, two, or three, maybe as many as five things on there. Try to do it as visual as possible, at least in a grid format, and, and uh, with some colors, green, red, or yellow, and indicate if, if this thing happened or didn't happen the last time it was checked, or how many of these were done, or how long did such and such take, or how many customer complaints did we get. And then we talked about having a consistent format, let's say once a week, or maybe once a day, there's a quick huddle, and the leader asks the manager to just provide an update. So rather than the leader complaining, this happened wrong or this was late, let that manager point to the scoreboard and talk through what happened. Why is this Is this green? Is this red? And, and why? And we talked about having a huddle where it's just the manager and the leader, and then an expanded huddle where the rest of the department employees are there too so that that, uh, that broader communication can happen. But anyway, that's the story. And the component, the scoreboard or andon or dashboard, the point is this needs to be somewhere that's easily accessible, easily viewable for each person from their workstation. And it needs to be updated as frequently as possible. Real time would be great, but if, you could, if it could be updated once a day or once a week or whatever, it needs to feel like they're getting consistent feedback. And this is one lesson that we take from gamification, where video games are so popular and addictive and intrinsically rewarding for people to play. And one of the aspects of that is, as they're playing the video game, they're getting constant feedback on how they're doing. And it's, visual, it's always visual feedback. And so if you can provide visual feedback like that for the workforce as they're working, they will stay focused on those critical few things those critical few aspects of their performance. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. Since this is an episode about visual communication, be sure to take a look at the visual examples and sources that we talked about at engagingleader.com forward slash 127, as in episode 127. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. My colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results in several areas, including talent management, workforce health engagement, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Monica Harris and our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember... In the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.